Well, hello, friends! Welcome back to the Bookshop Chronicles. My name is Brandy, and I am so excited you're here. There are so many fun things that we're going to be discussing today, and I can hardly wait for you to hear it. But first of all, I want to point out a little something. There are a lot of podcasts out there, period. (laughs) But there are a lot of podcasts out there that charge money through other accounts like Patreon or whatever, or they have ads that pay for their podcast. I have always decided I did not want to have any ads or any anything that would cost you money on this podcast. I think there should be some things out there that are just for you. I absorb the cost of doing the podcast myself. It's part of a business. It's part of a passion. But that should not be up to you. So we very proudly do not have any ads on our podcast. We want to keep this ad free. We want to keep your ears happy. And we do not want to always be asking for money. I will not do it. And I do not do it. So thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast because I know there's a lot of things out there that you could be choosing to listen to. You are going to be so glad that you tuned in today. Friend, we have got Justine Ma and Rachel Bergeron from the Black Bookshelf Project. Have you heard of it? Do you know what it is? Well, you are going to hear all about it today. And I could not be more thrilled to share this conversation with you because I made a brunch. We ate. We laughed. We laughed super hard. We were throwing our heads back and enjoying each other. And I just appreciate the heck out of what these two girls are doing. So without any further hold up, here is my conversation with Justine and Rachel. Okay, so this is our second crack at this. Yes. But this is already far more successful because we don't really have any tech issues. Yep, perfect. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so can you guys introduce yourselves? Tell me what it is that you do and yeah, what it is that makes what you do so amazingly awesome. You're too kind. Um, I'm Rachel Bergeron. I am the executive director of the Black Bookshelf Project. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I do right now. Uh, She's lying. She does a lot. (laughs) (laughs) She's our fearless leader. She makes all of the decisions, orders books, stock, warehouse. (laughs) Financial everything. All the forms, organization. Um, You do a lot. Oh, thanks. I'm Justine Ma. I am the co-founder of the Black Bookshelf Project, and I do a lot of the digital uh, marketing, advertising, design, etc. All of it. (laughs) You do all of it. (laughs) Together, we make a pretty good team. (laughs) Yeah. And what is the Black Bookshelf Project? Yeah, so we are a nonprofit uh, aimed at promoting equity and diversity in school libraries, uh, and that's through the distribution of mostly children's books by BIPOC authors throughout the city. What else? What else do we do, Justine? <laughs> we um, are... How many schools are we in now? Oh, yeah. We are in 30 schools and child care centers across Alberta and BC. So That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. Um, and then not only that, but we have like a whole online repository mm-hmm. of resources that whoever... Uh, purchases or owns a bookshelf, um, they can access that for extra learning activities and tools to help teach and guide. Yeah. So like our whole thing is 
We want these books by BIPOC authors centered around BIPOC experiences. We're also looking at like diversifying into the LGBTQ2IA plus space and neurodivergence, stuff like that. But we want books written by people with lived experience on the subjects. And we have these questions in the back to help kind of guide conversation after reading to kind of help people understand why it's important to see a predominantly but I don't know I don't know what I was where I was going with that <laughs> but just yeah so that people can see why it's important to read books about this or to show them like a viewpoint that they might not have thought of before yeah it's basically to help open minds and open hearts a little bit yeah so, we're big on representation we want people especially kids to see themselves um, and like some of the topics that we have in the back of the books are family values, culture, community, um, skin color, self-love, self-love. Yeah. yeah. Abilities. Yeah. So the idea is that when a, um, a child or a educator reads the book, uh, they're not just reading it. They can dive further and ask questions and start a conversation. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I especially love, as soon as you told me about what the Black Bookshelf Project did, it sort of checked a bunch of my happiness boxes because at the store, I've always tried really hard to have books and opportunities for reading and sharing moments over story time, bedtime, whatever, that didn't just have, you know, the, the typical stories. Or I wanted books that represented the actual community that we lived in. And when I looked around at the community that we served, Everybody was so different. It was so colorful. It was so loud. It was so bold. And I didn't want just a 2D version mm-hmm. of a bookshelf. I wanted something that reflected more. So we've worked really hard to have books that are kind of unique and serve those communities. So when you told me what you were doing, I thought, <gasps> well, <laughs> okay, this is totally for me. And, and I got super excited about it. Um, and I think that you're very right in saying that Promoting those perspectives and those ideas really does give kids a chance to see themselves. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, how many times have we looked at books and said, yeah, that's, no. Who were they basing this on? Because that mm-hmm. is not the world we live in. Yeah, It's ugh, so gross. I'm very grateful that publishers are now being so open and they make so much space yeah. for these stories to be promoted and told and... They ask us as booksellers, put these on your shelves. And we're like, yeah, thank you. I didn't even know that book existed. Nice. So the books that you have on your shelves, how do you choose them? Um, so a lot of research. Yeah. Let's <laughs> start on the publishing house website that we have access to. <laughs> and from there, I will search just for most of the time I go by authors I know who are BIPOC that we have seen books from before and yeah we kind of sometimes we work backwards too if we see a book that we like and we think it's a good fit we'll yeah. do a deep dive into the author or the illustrator yeah. um, a lot of times we get books from people who know people who have yeah. written books so like local yeah. authors which is really fantastic yeah. yes yeah 
One of the cool things about being in Canada is that we've often been referred to as a melting pot. Mm-hmm. I remember being in school and yeah. hearing that term in social studies class when I was little mm-hmm. and realizing that that was this beautiful idea of amalgamating so many different experiences and cultures and languages and, and colors and feelings into one community and how great that is and that that should be celebrated. Our shelves should be melting pots. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. So the books you choose are very, very well done because they do reflect a melting pot idea. That's, uh, I know that (laughs) this is going to be weirdly, I don't know. I I don't think it's controversial, but my husband and I were actually just having this conversation the other day and he's like, don't you understand that the melting pot idea was like, it's bad. And I was like, what do you mean? And this is like a white guy telling me this. So I don't actually know <laughs> if this is the case. But because um, he's like, yeah, so you take all of these people and you're making them all the same. And they're like melting together to become one. But we're not all the same. And we don't want to like all like we want to celebrate differences and how we are all separate and unique in our own different ways. Never that's thought of it that way. Interesting perspective because that's not how I would have grown exactly, up. Exactly, right? Like that, we yeah. were the melting pot. That was great. And he's like, no, that's not great. I was like, oh no. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's that No, I think it's about like it's the world according to Steph. <laughs> <laughs> so he's saying you throw a bunch of wax cranes in a pot and everything becomes one color? Yeah. I was thinking more like a stew. Like, you put it all in, you got your potatoes, carrots, beef. They don't ever change. They are still those things, but they all help each other be better. Oh, I love that. That's Mm. what I thought. But when you say melting... instant pot. (laughs) Instead of melting pot. I don't know. Maybe we, like, change the word. (laughs) Maybe we should should have a conversation with Steph about the stew. Right. (laughs) This show is not at all sponsored by Instapot. So then when you notice that there was a lack of diversity mm-hmm. in the reading options for kids, yeah. what made you decide, oh, I know what to do. This is what we're going to move forward with. How did you come up with the idea for the Black Bookshelf Project? Um, it actually happened because of an experience of one of the co-founders um, and something that had happened with one of her kids at school. And she thought, hey, it would be a really good idea for us to donate some books to our library so that kids in the library could see more people of color in more um I don't want to say like prominent mm-hmm. positions but kind of mm-hmm. as main characters, main characters. Books. sure yeah. yeah um because their opinions do matter and their thoughts yeah. do matter and all of that kind of stuff and then um from there it was sort of yeah this is a great idea but I honestly don't feel like as people of color we should be shouldering the burden of putting those like our financial yeah it was the principal right the principal yeah. suggested like hey why don't you bring in some some books yeah that have representation of your kids yeah. ethnicity um and then rachel took it and was like no we are gonna <laughs> build this and we are gonna do this for all the babies yeah and we are gonna put these in all the schools yes and grow it yeah um to be accessible yeah um and then we've done that by getting grants, which yeah. has been very helpful. So, mm-hmm. you know, some schools who don't um, or can't afford to outright purchase a shelf, mm-hmm. uh, we can fund it with grant money, yeah. which has been great. But yeah. 
So when I heard about it, mm-hmm. immediately I knew that I wanted to have one of those in the store so people could see about uh, see about it, learn, experience it. So the beautiful thing about it is the books on that shelf, they're not for sale. They are just for customers to read and learn from, to spend time in the store, in the chairs, reading them, spending time, and then maybe asking us if they want to get them, but spending that time just reading. Um, there's also those really beautiful indigenous meditation cards, mm-hmm. um, which have been much beloved yeah. in, well, I know mostly in a Boba store because I watch them use them. Yeah. Um, and there, there's coloring sheets mm-hmm. as well that have beautiful affirmation messages. And the colors of crayons that you've chosen are also not your typical primary colors, mm-hmm. but they include colors from all skin colors. Yes, very important. So very cool. So we have one, I can't remember what the quote is, make it beautiful or something. I can't remember what the quote is, but it's all yeah. done in different shades of like browns and taupes. Nice. It's lovely. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. and it's right there. We just stuck <laughs> it right up there. Um, and one day, I think I told you this story before, um, there was a gentleman who came in with his kids and yeah, really the bookstore wasn't his thing, yeah. right? Like we get people all the time who are like, ah, I'm just an adjacent to yeah. the <laughs> I'm just here to just carry take books. my money. Yeah. <laughs> so while his, while his partner and kids were hanging around the store, he just saw this and he just grabbed one of the books off the shelf and sat down in the yellow chair and read it. And he's like, huh, I never thought of it that way. And then he put it back and he was he still had that look of huh kind of thinking about it. Yes, I yeah. love it. I and that's, so that's just such a beautiful thing. It's not just for children. Like yeah. this is a great opportunity for grown-ups to rethink how mm-hmm. we tell stories mm-hmm. and who really are the best people to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to only be one white guy. Yeah. It could be everybody and it should be everybody because everybody's experiencing it differently. Yeah, 100%. So that's one of the things I especially love is it's it looks like it's a kid's thing. Yes. But it's also kind of masquerading as an everybody thing. Yeah, we can all benefit. Yes. Totally. Because yeah. when, you know, you know as parents, when you read a storybook to your kids, yeah. is it just the kids who is actually getting the benefit of that book? No. No. <laughs> and honestly, uh, just anti-racism as a com- concept is pretty straightforward but also very complex Mm -hmm. and there's a ton of nuance to it so like the more straightforward the book the better especially when you're starting your journey yeah there's no shame Mm -hmm. there's no shame in picking up a kid's book and just like learning what the phrase BIPOC means because some people don't know that yeah and that's okay it's okay to start anywhere mm-hmm. it is honestly it's better than nothing yeah and how how gentle to start with a children's book yeah which says it very clearly very simply with beautiful illustrations and yeah. a very kind of gentle nudge into the conversation yeah. rather than an adult book who has all sorts of references for culture and history mm-hmm. that uh, might have some accusatory tones yeah. or some judgment or whatever and then people don't proceed with it but a children's yes. book yeah, yeah, we'll read that. Yeah. <laughs> That's our thing. We're not here to shame people or make them feel bad for ancestral mistakes and things that have happened in the past. It's just recognizing that those things were not ideal. Moving forward and doing better. Yeah. And that's what we're all about. We're not here to make anybody feel bad. Yeah. We just 
need a jumping off point you know what i mean Mm -hmm. to start learning and growing and that's what we want to help help do when i was young i was a ridiculous reader Mm -hmm. surprise (laughs) (laughs) Um, i i would go to the library and i would get as many books as the length of my arm to my chin and then they would be like, oh, are you sure you can read all those? Oh, challenge accepted, right, librarian. I can, I can read those. And it never once occurred to me as a young white girl with freckles and, and awkward teeth and, and stuff that I would not be represented in those books. That never even occurred to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the privilege of, I don't know, naivete right? Yeah. that I had as a kid. And that was never a thought for me but that's not the thought for a lot of people yeah right i mean did you guys ever experience any challenges seeing yourselves in books i never saw myself in books growing no. up i always thought i was the anomaly or the freak you know what yeah I mean, in school <laughs> well i grew up in small towns so like yeah. i was you know even though i'm half white i was the only colored person yeah. or one of the only yeah so i think um yeah, I bought a book for Ruby called Mix, and it was about a mixed race family and how like your parents don't match and how like uh, it's just so beautiful and I cry every time. And that was the first book that she kind of read out loud to us, like, and we filmed it because it was just so special. And I think um, she's so proud of her ethnicity. So, mm-hmm. and I want her to be because yeah. I wasn't. And like books on family diversity, mm-hmm. never something we saw before. No. I was ashamed for so long to go out in public with my dad because we were out once and this lady at a store came up to us and made a comment about how immigrant wives look so young. And I was just like, Whoa, that is my dad. Oh yeah. And like my dad's a shy guy. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. We just kind of walked away. But it's never left you, though. No. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. no. So, like, making sure that people can just see different families and different people represented in the books that are widely available to everyone yeah. is so important. Mm-hmm. So important. Yeah. And I think as valuable as that is for somebody who is of color or of a different mixed race or somebody who just doesn't fit in with the typical old fashioned ideas of what characters look like. It's so important for somebody like me as a young kid to read a book and see somebody who doesn't look like me take a starring role or do something amazing or overcome an obstacle or have a feeling expressed that I also feel. Yeah. Like that sense of unity, I think, would have been really important. And also, like, what an amazing friend that would make you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just to be able to read about and, like, understand an experience your friend might have had that could make them interpret a situation a different way. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, it's just so... There's... I just don't see any downside. (laughs) I agree. I agree. When I was a social worker, I led an adoption or a co-led adoption course about um, how to have children of color Mm -hmm. integrated into white families Mm -hmm. to educate white families about what this child experience may be, their perspective. Now, I get the irony. I'm white. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have anybody else to do it. So, um, and... The craziness of trying to teach them how to see things differently. 
Like, are you aware that in a lot of stories and movies, the bad guy wears black, is black. Black is like a, a dark color that represents something that is to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. So then if you have a child who comes into your home, how are you representing that in your in your language, in your, you know, how you decorate or what you watch or how you think and all those things? Like, how are you thinking about those things? Are you thinking about that child and how they may see everybody else? Or are you only thinking of including them? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's very challenging to try and get somebody else to see another perspective if they're locked into one way of thinking. Yes. And if we'd had books like these, because there were very few you know, way back then, mm-hmm. if we'd had books like these, it would have been so much more clear to get messages across about integration and you know loving somebody who doesn't look like you and letting them love you differently in their own time mm-hmm. and what words mean mm-hmm. yeah words don't mean the same for everybody yeah and i think that that's where the conversation gets so empathetic is when you're willing to learn you're saying i don't know anything mm-hmm. help me out i want to be better and they're like okay now we can have a conversation yeah and children's books have this beautiful way of like slipping in and sometimes being full of rhymes and yeah. they're funny and you're like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. And it should be like that. Mm-hmm. It really should be. One of the things I also like about the books you guys have chosen is not only the cultural representations, but also the body image. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter who you are. That is an issue. And no. it's very rarely handled well. Still, I yeah, agree. yeah. Uh, well, we never learn. Like, <laughs> I hope we will. I really. I have, hope I have big hope for the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like an acceptance. Honestly, like my daughter went to like a little thing the other day, and um, it was like a self confidence kind of building mm-hmm. thing. Um, but they did interpret little aspects of Canada's food guide and eating healthy and moving your body not in like a weight loss way but mm-hmm. just like to make yourself feel good but she came home and she was like I don't know how I feel about the plate that they divided up for us and how they wanted us to put different things in different spots and they told us there was no wrong answer but then they t- said I couldn't put the potato in the big half but potatoes are way bigger than peas so like this doesn't make sense to me and I was like that's okay it doesn't need to make sense to you because I don't want her to approach food like that Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so I'm glad that they're already starting to question and they're not like okay well this is how you eat Mm -hmm. and like going from there so I feel like I do have hope as far as like body image and stuff like that goes Mm -hmm. for for little girls because and little boys yeah Mm -hmm. everyone everyone yeah yeah I think in just social media I think has helped because we see a lot more different mm-hmm. body types and in people. And I think, you know, exposing your children to that is, mm-hmm. is nice. Cause when we grew up, we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. We never saw anybody with cellulite or so, size. so I think, um, yeah, all we can do is hope. <laughs> yeah. I think the word, I think I, I, yeah, I have a good feeling about us and what's, what's coming because even just like the work I've been able to do on myself, mm-hmm. like just our generation as a whole has been mm-hmm. able to do on how we approach our bodies mm-hmm. and how we look, mm-hmm. like never 
would I ever have thought I could look in the mirror and just like love my body. But I do. Oh, yeah. And like my girls don't see someone looking in the mirror going, ugh. They see... Strong, powerful woman. Yeah. Yeah. And like mommy in a really short dress twerking in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I'm here for it. That's that's where Phoebe gets it from. That's where she gets her moves from 100%. Yeah. there's, There's something that we learned very early on about villainizing people who are bigger yeah. mm-hmm. and really celebrating those who are thinner. Mm-hmm. And historically, if you were thinner, it's because you couldn't afford to eat, yeah. Yeah. right? You were not the high society. If you yeah. had a little more to you, it's because you could eat the fancy things. Yeah. And and then we said, wait, 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 no, no. Let's do our Jane Fonda workouts. Let's do all the things. Let's, let's have the spandex that sucks everything in. Let's, let's do all these crazy things. And then we start doing things like contouring. And then we yeah. did all mm-hmm. nonsense stuff. And I still remember when I was little, you know, I had these, getting ready for school in a hurry. And I was running late. And I had brown corduroy pants that were in the dryer. And my mom was helping me, whatever. And then she said, oh, you're, you're too big for your britches. Yeah. And I'm like, they were in the dryer. <laughs> but that that day, the whole day, I felt fat. Mm-hmm. And I look back, and I'm like, you were 10. Yeah. yeah. Those comments. You've, yeah. you've never been fat when you... No, but you're 10. Mm-hmm. Who cares? And yet, I've always thought about that moment. And I've then said, well, if the person who sees me and knows me the best and loves me says that, then it must be true. Mm-hmm. Then no, th- no other compliments that you hear are going to erase that. Yeah. Because she was honest. She must have been really right. And I was like, oh. And there was no other real good, I mean, I read like crazy, but I couldn't find any other books or any other stereotypes that affirmed Mm -hmm. my feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I just compared myself to all the thin girls and tried to wear all the thin stuff and then get mad if I had another cookie or whatever. Um, and it, if your blood glucose dropped, you're like, come on. It's so easy to get hard on yourself when you yeah. think it's something that you have to control. Yeah. Right? Because where I came from, you know, my culture, my identity, like that, I can't change that. But my weight, apparently, is up to me. Mm-hmm. And damn well, if I'm going to fail at this. Yeah. So I gave myself a whole bunch of grief for years. Mm-hmm. Now the joke is on young Brandy because at 50, mm-hmm. I do not look thin. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I've embraced whatever my natural body type is and I'll have an extra cookie. Yes. I don't care. Yeah, no. It doesn't have anything to do with your worth. Yeah. And when people start to tell you that the color of your skin, the country you came from, the language you speak, who you love, or how much you weigh determines your worth, I want to punch them in the throat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I feel so that. over it. And, and that's one of the things is, is that on your shelves, you have somebody who is of color, who has a generous body type, who may also love somebody that is not what the old regime would have yeah. promoted. And whatever. Like, yeah. it's, it's fine. Here you go. Yes. Here's the book for you. Yes. And and that, I think, we just need more conversation yeah. around what that means for a young reader who's going to grow up and then change the world. 
Because it's not just limited to story time. It's teaching them about how to be compassionate, be open-minded, be empathetic, have a different conversation. This is not the Disney Channel, people. Like, this is real life. I've actually had, like, so many conversations with people over the past few weeks, like, leading up to the election that we just had. Um, And I was shocked at the number of people that really do believe that books like this are, like, indoctrinating kids and Mm. like you know what I mean oh yeah I'm just like kind of maybe thankful that I don't know I don't it's not really thankful but like they are so fortunate that they get to come from this place of like blissful ignorance where they just saw themselves in their situation growing up Mm -hmm. so they were like yeah I saw this in a book I thought it was right I followed that path that's not how it is for everybody. No. Like, just because your child reads a book about a colored person who is in love with someone of a different gender and has a different body type, it doesn't mean they're going to want that for themselves. <laughs> it just <laughs> opens them up to the fact that this is a possibility in the world and, like, okay, it's cool if somebody wants to live like that. Yeah. You don't need to become what you read in a book. Yeah. Oh, let me have like, I would, I just I would go at them all day long. Right? We have a whole section called murder mystery. <laughs> now, are you telling me that we're actually reading those as how-to manuals <laughs> on how to take out people and get away with it? Can you imagine? I mean, we have domestic violence in the thriller section. Yeah. Are we also learning that like this is no, 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 no. So why do we then make something that is BIPOC and something that makes them socially uncomfortable and ethically kind of vague mm-hmm. and shows the fact that maybe they don't know enough about how to have a good conversation? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you get to cancel that right out. Yeah. Because I can go all day long about how that book is probably more beneficial for the future than the other ones. Yeah. I, I, oh. <laughs> 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 I, I feel it. Me too. (laughs) So if somebody did want to add these books and a black bookshelf project to their dental office, daycare, school, doctor's office, waiting room, uh, foster care agency, uh, any, any place like that where kids and people are gathering, how could they do that? Yeah. So um, we have a website. It is www.theblackbookshelfproject.ca, and uh, a bookshelf costs thirteen hundred dollars. Uh, if you can afford that, if you have funding through a parent association, if you have extra budget at the end of the year, and you can buy it outright then just head to our website, purchase that listing, fill out all of the info we ask for in the notes section, and we will reach out to you within a couple of days and get started on ordering your books. Have it to you within a month. If you do not have the funds to purchase a bookshelf, um, we have a wait list that you can also access through our website. We have about 20 schools on our wait list right now, so it is a bit of a longer wait. Um, We kind of have to go off of grant funding and stuff like that. To fund those shelves um but yeah you can put your name on the wait list and once we have the money and we get down to your name we'll reach out to your school and same thing order the books and get them to you within a month excellent yeah um so starting in june we have decided because we have a store in edmonton and one in beaumont that we are going to raise money 
to have one put in a school in Edmonton and one in a Beaumont school. So we're going to do those in the stores so people can donate that way. If you are listening to this right now and you think, oh man, I got to support that. I got to get those Black Bookshelf projects mm-hmm. in those schools. There is a link so where you can donate and just choose the one of the two schools that you want. You can donate or to both because you're an amazing human. <laughs> um, and if you want to have one for yourself, go to their website and sign up and then contribute because they need your help because these kids who are going to change our future mm-hmm. need these books yeah i love what you guys are doing thank you thank you we appreciate you so much so much you're so fantastic wow. I, I don't know what to say about that <laughs> it's thank you <laughs> i hope you had as much fun listening to that as we had recording it Now, if you would like to support the Black Bookshelf Project and the two schools that we at Daisy Chain Book Company are going to be supporting to put Black Shelf Bookshelf Projects, Black Bookshelf Projects in, please follow the link at the bottom and we'll lead you right there. If you just want to be excited about it and you want to go to their website and see what you can do to help them, please, please do. Because changing the conversation for future generations is so important. We want the people who will lead the world and take care of us and take care of our kids to be empathetic, smarter, have a better perspective on culture, body image, gender, love. It's so important. So as always, in everything you do, be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. And may your reading life be colorful and extraordinary. See you next time.